I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jenna Poff Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 74 of Theater Forward. Hello. Good to be here. In this episode, which is going to drop right around Valentine's Day, we are going to be talking about our favorite plays and theatrical experiences dealing with love. And uh, who better to have this conversation with than a bunch of uh, fellow theater artists and lovers that I love. Um, And Mr. Fisher, I'm going to let you kick it off with uh, one of your favorites. So many, so many. But of course, those of you who have listened to this podcast know that I want to start with a musical. To me, this is the greatest musical about love ever written. And I'm going to pick three songs from it because they're also damn good. And it's Company um, Mm. by our recently departed Stephen Sondheim. Um, The three songs that that I chose were Sorry, Grateful, Marry Me a Little and Being Alive. Um, And all three of them in different ways talk about very honestly, I think about uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a musical about marriage. Sondheim was very emphatic about that when people tried to say it's about all these other kinds of things. And it's about that, you know, the fact that it's not all perfect. It's not all terrible. It's sort of in between. There are days when you are sorry you're with the person that you have been with for decades. There are days you are so damn grateful that this person is in your life that you can't possibly imagine being anywhere else. And if you're embracing both of those things, just as life itself is not always happy and not always miserable, it allows you, I think, and I think this is what the musical is trying to say, to come to a fuller appreciation of the people in your life. And I mean, I just still, I sob and I laugh every time I see uh, this musical. It's, it was a revolutionary in 1970. I still think it marks a major turning point in the history of the musical. I, I, I want to go on to um, how often it's the people in the plays that, that make this resonate for us. And I want to talk about the play Mary's Wedding, which I think is gorgeous. Um, young girl falls in love, you know, on the farms of Canada, falls in love with a man who is going to go um, fight in World War I and their relationship. And then, um, you know, kind of a uh, twist at the end, but this beautiful, beautiful love story. And I had first seen it at uh, Next Act Theater with Georgina McKee and Braden Moran and fell in love with it, fell in love with them, fell in love with the play. And then I saw it at American Players Theater with Nate Berger and Laura Rook when they were just starting to date, when when the flickers of their relationship were starting. We all, you know, if you're, you you know, this kind of thing, we talk, everybody talks in in theater and amongst each other. Um, They're now married, those two. But seeing that gorgeous love story performed by two people who were falling in love in real life. Ah, magic, magic and beauty. I remember driving out to review that one. And I was sort of like, 
I'm not sure I really want to see this play again. I had found it sort of sentimental the first time I saw it at, at Next Act. And it could have just been me. This is not a comment on the production. But I agree, Julie. I walked out of there, and I did not know, because I'm not in the know, like all you theater folks are, that the <laughs> two of them were falling in love. I walked out of there just floored. I mean, absolutely floored. One of the highlights of that year for me in theater. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm still, you know, going back to the fact, and it's so perfect and wonderful, Mike Fisher, that the first love story you wanted to talk about was Company, which is, <laughs> I, and I agree with you, it is a brilliant and sophisticated and truthful musical about what it means to be in a relationship. And, and it's, it's much more real than a lot of the um, greeting card versions that we frequently see on stage. But it's just it's 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 so you and so perfect that that, that is your um, <laughs> I'm not sure is it's overall a, a love story. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I love that. Well, and it's it, I love too, Julie, that you talked about that production of of Mary's Wedding because it led me to one of the things that I was thinking about um, approaching this idea of of you know the great love stories in theater because one of the things that I really value about our theater community here in the Midwest is how many married or partnered couples there are of theater artists. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent, I cut my teeth uh, personally working in New York City. And yes, there are theater couples there as well, but it's a lot less common. I mean, for financial reasons, if nothing else, most of the people that I knew in the theater were not partnered up with someone who was also in the theater. Mm -hmm. it, plenty of exceptions to prove the rule, but, but that tended to be the case. And when I moved back here in 2005 and was getting to know the professional theater, uh, you know, environment around here in Madison, in Milwaukee, in Dark County, and at APT, you know, getting to know all of the people involved, it just felt like this constant stream of Oh, they're married to each other. Oh, they're married to each other. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, they're married to each other. And and it's it's a beauty. It, it that's a beautiful love story to me. I mean, it's something about you know the economics of you know regional theater and that people could do that. But I also think about you know the the incredible work and the and the privileged opportunities I've had to see artists who are partnered in real life. Mm -hmm do beautiful work on stage. Um, and that leads me to one of my, uh, again, I'm going to be very on the nose with this topic of love stories and, and think about a production that Forward did in our third season, which was titled Love Stories. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it was a project that I had actually worked up in my early New York days. I self-produced it at a teeny tiny off, 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 I don't know how many offs, Broadway, um, black box space, but it was pairing together um, three short one act plays, all of which had been written in the 1930s um, and all at different, depicting different stages in a marriage. Um, one of them was uh, Shaw's Village Wooing, which is about a couple moving towards an engagement. One was Dorothy Parker's Here We Are, which is, remains one of my favorite pieces ever. Just hilarious. You will hear me frequently going, well, here we are, aren't we? Um, about a couple leaving on their honeymoon. 
And then, you know, for something a little different, Bertolt Brecht's The Jewish Wife. Um, and that's about a marriage coming to an end because of, you know, well, Berlin in the 1930s, you can imagine the circumstances. Um, but pairing them, uh, you know, so I had directed them with a pair of actors, you know, who are playing all of these roles um, in very, very early in my career. And we resurrected that here um, at Forward and the amazing Paula Swazi, who is now on staff at the Metropolitan uh, Opera as one of their directors, directed the married couple, Colleen Madden and James Ridge here at Forward to do those three plays. And it was one of the most meaningful evenings I've had. Well, many evenings, I saw it many times, but just, it was, it was gorgeous. And the fact that they were married added so mm -hmm. much texture and depth to this evening, thinking about the highs and lows of choosing to spend your life with someone. That was Jen Gray. You 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 plucked one right off my list. I think <laughs> this is always going to be one of my very very favorite um, forward shows. I can see it as though it were were yesterday. Um, it was the um, I was already sort of falling in love with forward theater as a critic. That that was the show for me. That marked a real turning point. I'm like, my God, this is just amazing. And for you to think about putting together. It seems so natural now. Oh, these three plays go together. But of course, there's nothing that would tie them to each other. And you made that happen in ways that were so incredible. And, you know, I've been I've been such an unabashed fan of of Colleen Madden since she showed up here in 2001. I can think of so many great roles that I've seen her in. But her performance in that role as the Jewish wife and what she said, that particular role and what she said by not being able to say certain things just wrecked me that day. And it's one of the performances she's given that will stay with me um, forever. It was, it was incredible. And I'm so grateful to, uh, to you and Forward for bringing it to us. I had three Forward plays because I couldn't narrow it down to one. And that was one of them. That was my favorite of the of of, the, let's, of my. Let's see if you've favorites. got if you've got my favorite one on the list, Mike. Go. Well, one is I and you. Mm -hmm. um, by Lauren Gunderson, which is a different kind of love. It's the sort of love you also get in, um, in, in what you have of, of Mice and Men with Jimmy and Brian, Jimmy DeVita and Brian Monty at APT, which is another one of my favorite love stories um, that, that, that I've ever seen. And this one, um, you know, uh, here was, it, it, it's, it's the Lauren Gunderson play that's probably been done the most and for good reason. And the idea um, that it brings in of, uh, I still don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but there's two characters, one of whom is in love with Walt Whitman and who cites the line, every atom belonging to me as good as belongs to you, um, which is the idea that you both maintain your independence. This is the Stephen Sondheim company theme again, but yet you are part of and live through another person. And that was beautifully um, in a production that Jen directed, just beautifully evoked. Well, I think Lauren Gunderson, I, before you get to your third one, I mean, yes, I, I think she does romantic love on stage better than pretty much any contemporary writer that I can think of. I think about the scenes in Silent Sky yes. with Henrietta and Peter. I mean, I so few people do it. And I, I am a romantic at heart. Like I love a good, whether it's a film or television or theater or a book, I love a good romance. And I just don't think it's, we don't see enough of that in contemporary writing. And so it, it is one of the things I particularly 
um, admire and relish about Lauren's work. And boy, it's just been too long since we've sung the praises of Lauren Gunderson on this podcast. Uh, I feel like in our early days, never pretty much them enough. every episode. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think that um, both Silent Sky and I and You um, yeah. are high on my list of shows I've worked on that had a romantic, you know, thread in them. They're just gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, yes, 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 and yes. Um, Can I, I, I want to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. j- jump in, uh, Mike, because we were singing the praises of um, Colleen Madden. And one of, and my favorite love story, actually, of maybe all time that also Forward produced is Heisenberg by Simon Stevens. I and it isn't a traditional love story. And it and and it's two people that shouldn't, they shouldn't fall in love. They shouldn't even be friends. They should not know each other. And there's this speech that so it was Colleen Madden and Jim Pickering, both of whom are married to actors, but not together. Um this the beautiful speech that he has about, well, I'm not gonna be your boyfriend but I'll, I'll maybe make you coffee in the morning and then maybe I'll walk you to work and I'll be here at home when you come home from work. And he gives this, this litany of beautiful things he's going to do that are, are um, what a loved one does, but he didn't want that label. And I just think it's one of the most romantic beautiful speeches and it said it said gruffly and it said a little bit meanly and it is absolutely the the love behind it it broke me every time I listened to it and I listened to that speech a lot when we produced it and I love that play Mm. I think it just goes to you know love I mean love manifests itself you're seeing even in this discussion in so many in so many different ways. Um, I too, notwithstanding what I've said about company and why I love company, I'm just a total softy romantic at heart. And my third forward pick sort of will manifest that. And it's a song. It's a song by another show directed by Jen Gray. Um, and this is, I'm changing my major to Joan. As That's on my list too. Oh, okay, Joan, go ahead. Joan, well, you talk Joan. about it. I've been talking plenty. No. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 number is is one of my all-time favorites and one of the most beautiful examples of love for those who don't know the brilliant musical fun home it's it's the moment when um medium allison college-aged allison um has her first romantic encounter with um with joan the beautiful joan who's going to be her first girlfriend and um the giddiness and silliness and joy and terror of the song she sings then in a show that is not overall i would say a love story it is a play a musical about about many many things (laughs) um some of them quite quite traumatic but this number is just the joy of first love and uh, we were also lucky enough too to have the incredible rachel zintek sing that song that I mean it is it's hilarious it's beautiful and coming um you know coming from her made made it that much better I thought mm-hmm. well yeah. I think and I would guess it's probably great in every production <laughs> <laughs> of course we loved ours but I would I, I you know that that is a, a 
a musical, I think it would be pretty hard to ruin. Mm-hmm. It's pretty gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yep. I want to, can I, can I um, just steer us like a, a, in a different direction, maybe a little bit away from what forward normally does. Um, but I'm curious, uh, what's your favorite love story from Shakespeare? I, I again was not able to pick one. So I've <laughs> oh, left- you're, but you're prepared. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, no, well, cause I really had that. It was hard. I thought about this and it's a, it's the theory of threes again. So I have just three quick moments. One of them is a, one of them is actually not a moment. One of them is a whole show. I love because directors can do this in different ways and slice it in a different point in the play. I love the parry and thrust between Orlando and Rosalind. Rosalind, I've on record saying many times is the greatest heroine in Shakespeare. Sorry, Cleopatra, step to the side. And (laughs) the way in which she sort of plays with it, the way the two of them play with each other, where at some point they're both in on the game, that they're talking about each other and not these fake characters is so delightful and so true to the way early courtship um, works. Julie, exactly what you were talking about in Heisenberg, where you're sort of saying one thing, but meaning something else. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, One is, and I know this is from Romeo and Juliet, and yes, it's from the balcony scene, but when Juliet has that moment where she says, fain would I dwell on form, fain, fain deny would I have spoke, but farewell compliment. That moment where she says, I'm gonna chuck all this bullshit that is the way I'm supposed to talk about things out the door. And I am gonna be true to what is in my heart and I am just gonna go with it and we'll see where it takes me. And to me, that is a pivot in the play. It's Juliet going from the young girl to the person who will stage direct the rest of that play with Romeo trying to keep up. And it's just a gorgeous moment of vulnerability. And then the last one's sort of sad, but I really have always been devastated by um, Margaret saying goodbye to Suffolk when he has been exiled in the second part of Henry VI. And when Mm. she will next see him, it will be on the end of a pike um, with just his head. And the way the two of them talk to each other about how life doesn't even mean anything to me unless I am where you are. And the fact that you will be banished from me means I'm banished from myself. It's just, it's heart-wrenching knowing what is to come in the third part of, well, actually later in the second part of that, of, of that trilogy. So I, those are three big, we could all go on, right? But those are, those are three for me. So. What about you, Julie? Do you have something that tops your list? I would say of the, of the Shakespeare, um, I have always gotten a kick out of um, Beatrice and Benedict in Much Ado. I just done right. That is, that's the love story I want to have. You know, that, yeah. the, the bantering, the, the quick wittedness, the the ultimate um, uh, recognizing a peer I love. I find the more most heartbreaking love story is Othello, because I believe he really, really does love her and and genuinely does. And and um, it's the tragedy of how that for a lot of reasons could not be. Um, yeah, that always breaks my heart. Mm, good choices. I have to say for me, Beatrice and Benedict are, are my, you know, well-known favorites, mm-hmm. um, you know, of the, of the, the more uh, popular plays. I, I, Cause I'm with you. When you add the humor to a good love story, that's gold uh, in my book. Um, so th- they will always be my favorites to watch, but for me, one of the most gorgeous expressions of committed love uh, 
but one-sided in all of Shakespeare is the jailer's daughter in Two Noble Kinsmen. Oh. And her, you know, I, I won't recap the play for those who don't know it, which I'm guessing is most people, because most <laughs> people don't know it. But long story short, there's going, these what? two, the two noble kids are these cousins. And, you know, there's this whole back and forth um, that, you know, the, the, the leading characters can't decide, oh, they're both great. I kind of don't know which one I like better and all that. And the jailer's daughter who doesn't even have a name of her own knows exactly who she's in love with and why and puts herself out there and herself at risk and her family at risk for this man that she has absolutely fallen for. And it is unfortunately not requited and she's not dealt with well by the world of the play, but um, it is such a pure, gorgeous expression of deeply felt love. Mm. I, I just, I, I adore that character. It's one of my favorites. Jennifer, you are a romantic. My God. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Betrays her own father for this. <laughs> yeah. I haven't read that um, play in a million years. I yeah. obviously need to It's one of my it. favorites. I uh-huh. wish more people would do it. I think it's completely gorgeous. And the women's characters, it's like, there's six women, two of them are Amazons, three are these like avenging widowed queens and the jailer's <laughs> daughter. I mean, it's just... Delicious. All right, the I'm women getting, in Shakespeare get all the best stuff, and they even it, they it, Beatrice even gets the best lines in in much ado. You know, since we're on a Colleen Madden fest today, that production with her and David <laughs> Daniel was so great, just so great because it captured the sort of the darker side of the play, mm-hmm. um, and that was something that was really important to David Frank, who directed it, but also sort of lifted up in all the ways, Jen, that you rightly love the the humor. That was there, and the two of them who have known each other forever um, really were able to bring a ton to it. Yeah. yeah, I'm one of the things that I'm having just recently complained that not enough people are writing love stories for the stage uh, right now. I will say what's been pretty beautiful to see is how many different kinds of love stories have been finding their way onto theater stages in the last couple of decades. Um, you know, sort of post AIDS crisis or sort of late, starting with the late years of the AIDS crisis, um, seeing gorgeous queer love stories written for the stage. Um, Not that there weren't beautiful queer stories written for the stage before, but they were tended to be coded, you know, Um, and you had whether it was Sondheim or Cole Porter or going back and back, it had to be sort of shadowed. Um, and I feel like there's been fun home is a beautiful example with that song about Joan, but lots of great relationships and beautiful love stories, um, celebrating all different kinds of love. And that's exciting. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that. We've done a few shows here at forward. I think there's a lovely, um, romance in sons of the prophet, Stephen Karam that that warmed my heart. Um, yeah, some in Life Sucks by Aaron Posner. I mean, I just think there's there's a lot of beautiful um, queer love stories being written now, and that's something to celebrate. Well, I know near and dear to your heart, Jen, um, is 
and this is not a new story, but it's an important milestone along the path that you've been sketching, it is Angels in America. And that mm. the love story between Belize and Pryor and the way that he cares for Pryor, his former boyfriend, his best friend, who is dying or seems to be dying, um, is wrenching, but but beautiful. There's nothing we throw around the phrase and rightly so we need to be worried about this uh, of trauma porn of just you know feeding on other people's pain and you don't get that in the relationship between those two or the caretaking that's going on it's beautiful and heartfelt and loving and instead of making you sort of voyeuristically look on somebody else's pain at least for me it inspires me to to try and love better um by watching the way in which belize loves this 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 man even though he has every reason to be angry at him. Yeah, gorgeous. Well, I'm not wrapping us up right now, but I'm pointing us in the direction of wrapping up by by seeing if there's um, a play or a musical that we haven't covered yet that you just desperately want to talk about before we do. I've, I've got one because this is another one where I think the way in which the part has been played has changed for the better over time. And it's the glass menagerie is the play I'm thinking of. Mm. And this is a different kind of love, but the love that, um, that Amanda Winfield has for both of her children and particularly for Laura is, is really inspiring and beautiful. I mean, she's often portrayed as just this, you know, this cranky old sort of busybody, and that's part of her, but that part of her is there because she's worrying um, and the actor that helped me see that best was Angela Anuni, Um, with Grace DeWolf as Laura. Angela was um, Amanda uh, at in Tandem Theater, I don't know, maybe five years ago or something like that. Um, and, and I remember interviewing Angela before that production went up and she was terrified of playing this part. She said she said she loved it because she doesn't like parts that involve women who are not strong. But she she really felt that the way in which this character had been presented in the past sort of caricatured her and didn't give the truth of the love story between that mother with very, very limited options, which which did warp the way in which she could express her love and the genuine love she had for her daughter. And I think there are so few stories that honestly recognize in terms of issues of both class and in that case, disability and gender, the way in which love doesn't always conform, and Jen, this is what you were saying about queer love stories, doesn't conform to the mainstream narrative we have of how love is supposed to work. It doesn't mean it's not every bit as, as valid or inspiring or beautiful when done right by actors who spend their time really digging into who their characters are and what makes them what makes them go. And I saw that in that particular production, and I've seen it in other glass menageries since. Maybe it was always there, and maybe it just took Angela's performance to unlock it for me and help me better appreciate a play that I thought I knew better than I actually did. Mm, gorgeous. I, I'm going to throw one more out just because um, it's it's not maybe the one a forward audience would first think of as a love story, but I think probably one of the relationships we've um, shown on our stage that meant the most to me was in the first ever play that we had commissioned, which was called Learning to Stay. And it was an adaptation of a novel about um, a, a woman whose husband uh, served time uh, in the army in Afghanistan um, and came home dealing with uh, PTSD. 
and the 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 grappling with that, and then the decisions that she needed to um, to make for herself about um, her relationship. And is there ever a point where things have changed enough that it's okay to walk away? And going on the journey with these two characters who did have great love for each other, but were also dealing with tremendous challenges and seeing them work through that to me was a, a real, it was a real love story and it felt a privilege um, to work on that one. Great actors. It was, you know, written by Jimmy DeVita, adapted from the novel by Aaron Solello. And um, I'm, I remain really proud of that production um, for dealing with some really universal issues about how when you're in a long-term relationship, people change. And sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's not. And, and how you deal with that is a big part of love. Um, so there, that's a beautiful and uplifting. <laughs> it is actually. I think we've given people, you know, uh, Valentine's Day happens in a couple weeks and we've given We've given so many opportunities that they can they can find things on TV or go go to the theater because that will change your view, as you're saying, Mike, about things like Glass Menagerie. So we have we have set the table now. It's time for people to, uh, you know, come over and eat. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and we will say that that is all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jenna Poff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts. Please do. I mean, share your love stories with us for a future mailbag episode in terms of plays that have inspired you and that will challenge us through what you through what you have to say to us. You can do that on Facebook or Twitter. As always, that's at Theater Forward with an ER for theater. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And as Mike says, we'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment. We're so grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.